0: ham 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 one big thud at a time the arena shakes as our hero's body thumps onto the mat to the beat of every chant ham 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 thud 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 he rises from the mat slowly rigidly as if being pulled by a giant hand that props him up to his feet suddenly His whole body thrusts forward and almost collides with his opponent. The opponent, tense with a frozen smile, suddenly jerks backward like a puppet tugged at the strings. Ham! 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 Our hero chatters in excitement. Standing tall, he casts a shadow over his lifeless opponent, plastic limbs sprawled onto the mat. Now, he must take one final step to finish this battle. Ham! One step. Ham! Just one small step. Ham! He takes that step forward and falls flat like a shadow. A heavy groan fills the air high above the tiny toy wrestling ring. Holy hammerlocks, Captain Ham Ham. Our hero, fluffy and small, is picked up by a little girl with raven hair. She clutches him in one hand and props up the fallen action figure with the other. You never finish your matches. She lifts our hero up to her face to check his light brown fuzz for any scratches or cuts. He stares with big blank eyes, resting on chubby cheeks. She, on the other hand, peers back at him through the holes of a bright red domino mask. You know... You're the worst wrestler in all of Slamville, she says as she sets him down, back in the middle of the tiny ring. Captain Ham Ham closes his eyes as a gentle finger stroke the top of his head. But it's a good thing you're the best hamster I could ever ask for. <coughs> <coughs> To Planet Supers. Greetings gravitational geeks, Plutonian pals, and nebulous nerds. I am your earthling dork Racine and what you just heard is an excerpt from the upcoming book that me and my partner M. Cruz are working on. It is called Slam High. Please watch out for it in the next few months. Now the reason why I wanted to share that with you is because this week's episode is all about books i'm really excited about this because i don't get to talk about it very often not because i'm not interested in talking about it but because nobody really asks me about it these days i'm always asked about wrestling about music about my toys and many other things but nobody really talks to me about books but now since you're listening you have no other choice but to hear me talk about books for more than half an hour (laughs) so i want to kick things off with a funny story I learned to read when I was two years old, but before that, my mom would always read to me. So one of the books that she would always read to me was, I think it was called Mickey's Circus Adventure or Mickey's Day at the Circus. I don't completely remember, but um, the story was about the Mickey Mouse gang going to the circus. (laughs) My mom would read that to me all the time, but one day she had some friends over and I wanted her to read me the book but she was very busy entertaining her guests so according to her i grabbed the book sat across from them and then i started reading it to myself and her friends were super surprised because they knew i was too i was really tiny they said she can read now and my mom was like no I don't think so I don't remember her reading at all but as it turns out I had memorized the book so she had read it to me so many times that I already know what was being said so I wasn't reading it I was reciting it and everyone just thought I was reading it but After that, at two years old, I was just a bookworm ever since. So my mom would take me to the children's library back in Saipan where I was born and where I spent the first eight years of my life and she would just leave me there, leave me in the library and even in bookstores, she would just leave me there to read what was open, whatever wasn't sealed. And I carried that habit all the way up to adulthood. I just love books, and I am very excited to finally get to talk about it with you guys. But I am not the only one who's talking. This week, as usual, I asked you on the Planet Super Facebook page, that's facebook.com slash planetsuperpodcast, I asked you to talk about your favorite book. And here are some of the answers. Joyce Rose says, The Millennium Trilogy by Stig Larson. One of my favorite series, in. A thriller with espionage, crime, conspiracies, and mysteries. A long read, pero super worth the time. A writer and a girl gets involved with a mysterious murder investigation, then it all unravels from there. Film wise, I think Rooney Maro is perfect. So she's referring to the David Fincher adaptation of this. Sana natulu yung trilogy with her, or like continue with Claire Foy. Either way, I hope they continue the trilogy. Trilogy, sobrang gripping new story and I agree because I love the Millennium Trilogy for those who don't know the Millennium Trilogy is what people call Stig Larson's three best-selling novels that's the girl with the dragon tattoo The Girl Who Played With Fire, and The Girl Who Kicked The Hornet's Nest. Admittedly, the third book felt a little dragging to me, and I never really completely finished it. But the first two were so good, and I agree. The David Fincher film adaptation was great, and I think Rooney Mara embodied the Lisbeth Salander, the main character that I imagined in my head while I was reading. It's a very good read. It's riveting, and it's it's very heavy as well. But I would like you to check it out. If you haven't, please read the Millennium Trilogy by Stig Larsson. Edric Zamora says his favorite is Moby Dick. Wow, what a classic. By Herman Melville. He says, it's a story about a ship captain's obsession against the whale that took his leg from his last voyage. All told from the perspective of a man named Ishmael interesting fun fact there are chapters which delve into the details of whales and whaling in particular from that time where the book is set in and wow what a classic i haven't read boby dick myself but i know someone very close to me who loves that book in fact i will let you listen to his top picks now here's M with his favorite books
1: number one is jurassic park by michael crichton because dinosaurs I really liked the way it was written, marrying science with wishful thinking, and reading this book made me believe in what the future can do. Number 2 is 1984 by George Orwell. Well, I was a political science student back then and because of pop culture, the concept of Big Brother was really in. So I slept with this book by my bedside for years and I read and reread some chapters from time to time. Number 3 is A Study in Scarlet by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I'm also a big fan of detective fiction and this is the book that introduced Sherlock Holmes as a character. Number 4 is You Only Live Twice by Ian Fleming. I'm also a fan of the James Bond novels. Just some of the movies but mostly the novels. Number 5 is Around the World in 80 Days by Jules Verne. I first read a Ladybird classic version of this when I was younger with the pictures and everything but not so much into the details of the places that were visited i read this again the full version or the full novel when i was older and i tried to finish it as fast as i can and i even lost sleep so that's it for my favorite books i hope that you enjoyed listening to it and if you haven't read any of the books here maybe you can look it up and read it as well because i would really recommend these books
0: my friend cla gregorio says by the River Piedra, I Sat Down and Wept by Paulo Coelho. She says, I was 16 when I first read it, and reading it in my late 20s, I still feel the same. Dilang halata, but gusto ko yung mga Road to Spiritual Happiness and all that shiz na I also like Breda and the Witch of Portobello. Wow, Breda, I have not heard that book title in a long while, but that is a title that I really love. There are lots of quotable quotes there, including. Uh, You know, nothing in the world is ever completely wrong. Even a stop clock is right twice a day. Did I get that right? (laughs) But that is from Paulo Coelho's Brida. And speaking of Coelho, Giselle Paraan is also a fan of him um, because one of her favorite books is The Alchemist. So it's a very popular choice. I know so many people who love this book. Uh, She also likes Adultery, The Choice, Basta, Anything Coelho and Sparks. Jaysa Lau says she loves Chicken with Plums by Marjane Satrapi and South of the Border, West of the Sun by Haruki Murakami. Yay! What a great author. Michael Sanchez says he enjoys reading Chicken Soup for the Soul books. He says they have some of the best inspirational, heartwarming, and even heartbreaking stories I've ever read. I agree. And you know what? I find that people who read Chicken Soup develop a knack for writing short stories you know that do you believe that Mela Garcia Hi, Mela. hi Mela says her favorite is Never Let Me Go oh my gosh by Kazuo Ishiguro I have never been so attached to fictional characters until slash since this book. So that's what Mela says. I kind of agree because what a depressing book. And it it was also a depressing movie. I don't think I felt any ounce of joy reading Never Let Me Go, to be honest. But I still kept myself glued to it because, you know, Mela's right. You do get attached to the characters with a wonderful way it's written. Charles Lagazzo says... He liked goosebumps as a young boy, high five, but evolved into Neil Gaiman and Stephen King books from teenage years until now. He says, special shout out to Coraline and Good Omens. I agree. Yes, 100% Neil Gaiman is the absolute best. Speaking of Neil Gaiman, even Joshua Songko, my friend Josh, says that his favorite book is Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere because it inspired him to start writing when he was younger. He says, I own like four copies of that book now. Now, I am going to reserve my comments about this amazing, wonderful book for later. Uh, But before we get into that, I want to share one last answer to my question in the form of another voice message from none other than my mom (laughs) so welcome to the show mom here's what she has to say
2: super p asked me to make a list of my favorite books Uh, we were going to limit it to three or five only but i couldn't do that so i made a list of my 10 favorite books my first book is rage of angels by sydney sheldon second is centennial by James Michener Third Scruples by Judith Krantz Number 4 Executive Orders by Tom Clancy Number 5 A Time to Kill by John Grisham Number 6 Cain and Abel by Jeffrey Archer Number 7 To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee Number 8 A Stone for Danny Fisher by Harold Robbins Number 9 Rich Man Poor Man by Irwin Shaw And Number 10 Taipan by James Clavel. Special mention is the book The Promise by Danielle Steele. It was the first book that made me cry. Special mention also is the book Heaven Can Wait. I could not buy it, so I went to the National Bookstore every Sunday to read 20 pages every Sunday until I got tired of going back. By then, I had savings to buy the book. Alright, those are my books.
0: She is truly, truly my mom. We say we'll keep this list to three or five and then we end up listing down 10 or 13 things. (laughs) And those were all your answers. Thank you so much for sharing your favorite books with this podcast. Now, please allow me to share my favorites. So I'm going to talk about my top five picks. I promise I'm keeping it to five. We are going to work our way up from my number five, And we're counting down to my number one so let's start with number five the improbable theory of anna and zach by brian catcher so you must know one thing about me before we go deeper into this list and you get all judgy on me (laughs) i love ya I love young adult novels. I love the high school drama. I especially love those that are written in the first person point of view. I love seeing the world through the eyes of a teenager, even though I'm now in my late twenties, because I can still relate. I also have a high level of respect for YA authors because they're talking to people or a generation actually, who are at an age when their attention span is super duper short. So they have to write their stories in a way that captures and keeps their young audience's attention on the page. Plus the stories, the YA stories, often feel very real to me. I find most of them very relatable. Not the scenarios themselves, but mostly how the psyche of the characters are written in. Like, I used to feel exactly like this when I was a teen, and sometimes I feel the same way now. That's pretty much the reason why I love books like The Improbable Theory of Anna and Zack. This book is a story of two teens, obviously named Anna and Zack, who find themselves having the weirdest, funniest adventure at a sci fi fan convention. So, Anna is your stereotypical straight A grade obsessed overachiever student, while Zack is the smart aleck gamer. Somehow, Zack ends up on Anna's academic quiz team. And Anna's little brother is also on this team and he becomes instantly fascinated with Zach and his stories about his favorite sci-fi convention which he unfortunately has to miss for one of their academic competition trips. So, apparently, telling this to Anna's little brother was a terrible idea because then this kid just escapes from their hotel to go see the con for himself. And of course, Anna finds out and she goes nuts and she lays the shiz on Zach and then they both go to the con together to find Anna's little bro. Now, Zach is thrilled because this con is exactly where he wants to be. It's the place where he truly feels like he fits in amongst the Star Wars and Star Trek fans, uh, the Doctor Who fans. Anna, on the other hand, has never been to one of these conventions before. Mm -mm. She doesn't even like these things. So she gets lost. She's confused. She's irritated. But then eventually she finds her groove in there as she carries out the search or the the seemingly impossible task of finding her little brother. What's interesting is that the POV for each chapter switches from Anna to Zach, Zach to Anna. So you really see the perspective of both characters here and how they experience different areas and moments uh, within that sci-fi con. It's really funny. It's very, very easy to read, very enjoyable. And if you are a sci-fi fan yourself, you will enjoy all the references in this book. So please check it out, The Improbable Theory of Anna and Zach by Brian Katcher number four is another ya book <laughs> and it is called across the universe by beth Rebus. no it's not the beatles song no it's not the beatles inspired film or musical this is a ya sci-fi novel that tells the story of amy and elder so amy is a teenager who is a cryogenically frozen passenger on this big spaceship called godspeed so why is she there Her parents have been selected as important crew members for the Godspeed's ultimate mission, which is to land on this distant, habitable planet and harvest its resources. Her mom is a biogeneticist, I think, and then her dad uh, has a position in the military. So Amy decides that she wants to tag along (laughs) because she doesn't want to spend the rest of her life without her parents. So Amy, her mom, and her dad are cryogenically frozen for 300 years. That's supposedly how long it'll take until Godspeed lands on whatever planet they're supposed to land. But then trouble happens, uh Oh, and Amy's chamber suddenly opens 50 years too early. When she awakens she finds out that the people running godspeed apparently set up this crazy government where the ultimate leader is a dude called eldest because he's literally the oldest on the ship (laughs) so every generation has its own eldest every generation also has this other dude named elder and he is you guessed it being trained to become the eldest of the next generation so when amy is suddenly thawed It is Elder who is there to conveniently save her from dying and enlighten her on what kind of life they have on board this ship, which Amy hates, of course, because Eldest is pretty much a dictator and there's zero individuality. Remember, these are ship-born people who don't know anything about the earth that Godspeed left behind. They only know the culture and the customs that they've been raised in and what has been built in the ship. Amy, she feels trapped in this culture, and of course she wants out. She also wants to solve the mystery as to why she was suddenly unfrozen too early. Because, I mean, I don't think she can go back. Despite being a YA novel, Across the Universe is very heavy thematically. It's about power, manipulation, and there are some political themes in there too. There are also some themes that deal with things like sexual assault and suicide. So the story weighs a lot you know, emotionally and mentally. Personally, it affected me a lot. When I first read it, I couldn't sleep much because it was all I could think about. I read it twice, the first book, and felt the same heaviness in my chest while I was reading it. So if you're into heavy dystopian sci-fi but still a fan of young adult novels, you should really check this out. It's Across the Universe by Beth Rebus. This is actually the first book in a trilogy. Because, I mean, aren't most YA books trilogies these days <laughs> after the Hunger Games? Um, so it's Across the Universe, then A Million Suns, and then Shades of Earth. The first two I've already read, but I can't seem to find a copy of the third one. So if you know where I can find a copy of Shades of Earth, please, please, please let me know because I want to read it okay so my number three pick is harry potter and the chamber of secrets by she must not be named because she's terrible (laughs) this author even though i hate everything that she says these days and i refuse to tolerate any of it i cannot deny that chamber of secrets is one of the books that made a significant impression on me and my childhood so let me tell you a quick background story When I was a kid, I would rarely ask for toys or clothes as gifts. I would ask for books. So my mom's boss's daughter, her name is Amber, she gave me my first ever Harry Potter book when I was seven, I think. And it wasn't even the first book. (laughs) In fact, I never read Sorcerer's Stone until I was in high school. The book she gave me was Chamber of Secrets because that was the latest book then. When I started reading it, I couldn't understand it. I was having trouble imagining the wizarding world, most likely because I skipped the first book. So I set the book aside, never really paid attention to it for a year or so. But then when the first Harry Potter movie came out, Sorcerer's Stone, I watched it and I loved it so much. So it was only then that I started reading Chamber of Secrets. And you all know what happened in that book. I'm not going to tell you the story again. But yeah, all, out of all the Harry Potter books, this is the one that made the biggest impact on me. And here's why. I just love the idea of having a diary that answers you back. I know, I know it's creepy, but it's reassuring, I guess. It's like having a chatbot on paper. A chatbot who cares about your day and apparently wants to take over your soul. But anyway, it's, it's so cool. And every time Ginny writes into the diary, she gives it more soul. She gives it more life. And that's an amazing concept. Another thing I loved about this book was the introduction of the dueling club. Oh my gosh. Okay, so when I was in grade school, I had just moved to the Philippines and I found a bunch of friends who also loved Harry Potter. We started our own dueling club. <laughs> so we would meet under the bleachers and we would throw you know spells at each other, expelliarmus, stuff like that. <laughs> and it's so lame. Our wands, we would use the stick. Things that keep papers in sliding folders together. <laughs> I would always buy the brown folder just so my wand stays close to a more natural wooden color <laughs> as possible. Lastly, what I loved about Chamber of Secrets is the whole revelation of Tom Riddle being Voldemort. Because that was cool to me. That was mind blowing to me when he basically scrambled those letters of Tom Marvolo Riddle to form "I am Lord Voldemort." that was mind-blowing to me as a young child and this is not a spoiler you should know this by now i tried to mix up the letters of my own name and i came up with i r stone and (laughs) that is terrible please forgive me anyway I have been a Potterhead since I read Chamber of Secrets. I have my own Hogwarts robe from Pilar. Thank you so much. Gryffindor, of course. Me and Pilar and our friend Rona, we actually wore our Hogwarts robes to the Wizarding World at Universal Studios Japan. While eating at Three Broomsticks, sipping our Butterbeer, you know, shopping at Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. Peek! potterhead i must say i've also gone to conventions wearing the full hogwarts uniform uh, i went to awesome con in washington dc wearing that i've written harry potter fan fiction please look it up white cloaks by malfoy air that's my pen name malfoy air because i love draco malfoy so that's on harrypotterfanfiction.net i think i got like seven to eight chapters in there I've read all the books, watched all the movies, I've participated in Harry Potter quizzes, and it all started with The Chamber of Secrets. It's just too bad, you know, that the author sucks balls now, but I loved The Chamber of Secrets. (laughs) All right. So my number two pick is Mosquito Land by David Arnold. And I will tell you why I love this book so much. This is the book that sparked that crazy thought in late 2016 to just, you know, move to another country by myself with no guaranteed job, not a lot of money, but with hope that I might recover if I go somewhere far, far away. So Mosquito Land is a story about this teenage girl named Mim Malone. Yeah, it's a YA book. (laughs) Uh, She is living with mental health issues and that is a key theme in the story. This is because Mim's parents are divorced and this has affected her life in a really big way. She lives with her dad and her stepmother while her mom lives in another state and then Mim eventually loses contact with her. So this is the backstory. And this makes her feel that sense of loss, of longing, of deep sadness. And she's been diagnosed with medicine to keep her quote unquote, sane. But then she finds out that her mom is actually suffering from a critical illness. So she runs away. She takes her stepmother's secret stash of money, and then she boards a Greyhound bus by herself to Cleveland where her mom is. But that's like a thousand miles away because Mim lives in Mississippi. So Ohio is so far away. As we go with Mim on this super long journey, we discover more about why Mim is not okay. Because that's the whole story of this book. On the back cover, it says Mim alone is not okay. And even in the first few lines of the book, Mim says, I am not okay. Throughout this trip, we slowly unravel all these little troubling things about her. The way she smears lipstick on her cheeks and calls it war paint when she needs to feel brave. The way she uses escapism as her default reaction to things that make her sad and uncomfortable. The way she throws up a lot. We learn about her family's history of mental illness and how she writes letters to her unborn half-sister. And this is all written in the first person. So as we discover more about Mim, she does too. She gets to know herself better on this long journey Not in an eat, pray, love kind of way, but in an introspective, what's wrong with my life kind of way. Because all kinds of things go wrong in the story. I don't want to spoil you, but if you're curious, you can read it. Some of them are actually very funny too, not in a haha funny way, but like, wow, I can't believe this extremely unfortunate thing is happening to me right at this moment, <laughs> kind of funny. And that's what I love most about this novel. Mim's humor is kind of twisted. There's so much teenage snark and cynicism, but there's still this sense of being naive in there, and she's very clever. The writing is just oozing with wit. It's sharp, but also very welcoming to the reader. Beautifully written. David Arnold writes with so much cleverness cleverness, mindfulness, and insightfulness, not just in this book, but in other books that he has written as well. Mosquito Land is about being brave enough to escape your own world and feeling braver to come back. When I read it in 2016, it just, you know, inspired me to go out far, far away to discover more about what was wrong with me because I was mentally unwell back then and I needed to find my Mosquito Land. So I went to the US, I even rode a Greyhound, just like Mim. And after a year, I came home. And I wasn't fully okay, but I was feeling braver. Brave enough to accept what I needed to do to be okay. And even without any war paint, I learned how to do that. Alright guys, we are down to my number one. My ultimate favorite book of all time. And that is Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. Whew. So where do I start? Neverwhere is the book that literally took my breath away. As in every few pages or so, I would just set it aside to take a nice, deep, deep breath. (laughs) That's because it has such an incredibly riveting story. So Neverwhere is a story about Richard Mayhew, who is this normal guy from London. He's a businessman, he has a super pretty fiance, he has lots of friends. But then one day, he meets this mysterious girl who's severely hurt. She's bleeding on the sidewalk. When Richard helps her, that's when something really strange happens. It's as if he disappears from the world. His friends don't recognize him. His ATM card doesn't work. His apartment belongs to someone else now, and people are ignoring him, even his fiance, She doesn't recognize him. You know, like he doesn't exist. Like he's suddenly invisible, and he was never even there. Two dudes who do pay attention to him, though, are Krupp and Vandemar. So they're the ones hunting for the woman he helped and they're determined to hurt her and take her away this woman's name is Dor. we learn later on so croup and vandemar start harassing richard and he pretty much gets sucked into all the drama so he looks for Dor to find out what the heck is going on he wants answers we find out that door is part of this parallel world called london below the city of all things lost and forgotten she's on a quest to find out the truth about her family being murdered and all that and because he's pretty much nobody in London above now that is the normal world Richard joins Dor on her quest Now, London Below is very dangerous, very dark, very dangerous. It's like ultra sewer. So going with Dor on this mission becomes an adventure for Richard. I don't want to say much because I will spoil so many surprises. But I do think that if you love speculative fiction, mythology, dark adventures, also if you love trains, (laughs) this book definitely hits the sweet spot. But what I love the most about it is the storytelling. Neil Gaiman is my absolute favorite storyteller ever there's just something about you know the way he writes that really captivates you whether it's a novel or a short story or a poem he just knows how to describe scenes in a way that you know doesn't state the obvious that is not so straightforward but you understand what's going on in the story very clearly in your head Uh, I don't know if I'm making sense. I hope so. But what I'm trying to say is that when Gaiman tells a story, it's so easy to get lost in it. It's so easy to be part of it and automatically understand what is not being said on the page. He takes you away from the real world, just like how Richard in Neverwhere was taken away from the real world and into this new strange underground world. I find Gaiman to be such a great world builder. Even in the short stories, you automatically see the world uh, the way his story sees it. Neverwhere is just the best, most amazing example of it. It's so artfully written that I think it's proved that words can be used as a powerful weapon to you know trick, captivate, and fascinate the mind so powerfully that you will believe you belong in another world. And isn't that what books are for? You know, to provide an escape into another world, to go on a journey to discover more about yourself, to inspire you, to make you think long after you've closed the cover, to make you chuckle or shed a tear every time you remember a page or a quote that you liked. That is the out-of-this-world power of a really good book. Those are the top five books that have made my world super. Thank you so much for listening. This is your earthling bookworm and dork, Racine, signing off. Stay out of this world. Stay super.